the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions. I'm Renee Paquette. We have a hell of an episode for you today. It is so much fun. I loved hanging out with this dude. He is on it's seemingly everything these days. He is so, so busy. I am joined today by comedian extraordinaire, the ever so funny Ron Bunches. You guys may know him. He voices King Shark and Harley Quinn. He's got a show Chopped 420 on, Di- or on Discovery+. Plus. He's on Last Blockbuster that's all over Netflix. Getting Better is his podcast. Uh, and he has his own stand-up special called Giggle Fit that you guys can see where he happens to be wearing an amazing Ric Flair robe at the very beginning of it. We talk about the culmination of actually getting that robe, what it cost him, uh, the the time and effort he put into that. But yeah, it's just such a fun conversation. We do talk about wrestling. He's a huge wrestling fan. We talk about what kind of sparked his interest into wrestling, who he sees as the future of wrestling. He actually had some really great answers for that. So I quite enjoyed that. Um, and then, yeah, we just, we talk about all things Ron Funches. He's got a new shoe that is available on April 28th. He paired up with Puma and Foot Locker um, in coordinates with Autism Acceptance Month and Autism Awareness Month. Um, to just keep this conversation going, we had Surat Tan on last week. He also has uh, his autism awareness shoe. He uh, he teamed up with Diodora and Foot Locker. So yeah, you guys can check all that stuff out. I'm going to put in the bio of the show uh, where you guys can follow Ron Funches, because you don't want to miss out. He's great on the old Twitter machine. Definitely a good follow. Same on the old Instagram. So check all of that out. This is a great conversation. I think you're going to really love it. And just mixing things up a little bit. Here's Ron Funches, guys. Guys, today on Oral Sessions, I am joined by none other than Ron Bunches. Hey, dude. Hello, Renee. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to have you on the show. We're really mixing things up a bit. It's been like, you know, wrestlers, combat fighters. Now we just get to hang out and have like a laugh with Ron. Yeah, I'm the opposite. I'm a passive person. Not much combat over here. The opposite. (laughs) Chit chat. Okay, fine. But I feel like that being said, I feel like you would probably make a hell of a manager in wrestling. I agree with you. I I could take a bump if necessary. I'm surprisingly strong. And also <laughs> I'm quick with it and I could get heat for sure. And I could help a lot of wrestlers. Yes, that's you're right. Have you ever like like legit thought about that or been like, just bring me in for like a quick run. Let me do something somewhere. Yeah, of course. I went to wrestling school for three months. I went to Santino Brothers Academy in Los Angeles. Those only things I wanted to do in my life were either stand up or wrestling. That's amazing. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. So you are trained. You can take a bump. You can take a hit. So you could be a great mouthpiece. Who would you want to work with? Oh, that's a good question. Who would you manage? Someone who, because I just think of people who I love, but they could already talk. <laughs> Sammy Zayn doesn't need me. Kevin always don't need me. But who would need, you know who I would be good with? Scorpio Sky. I think yes. I would be great with him because he's such a talent. He's strong. He's good looking. What a handsome man. Exactly. And I could just go up there and say all these things <laughs> for him. 
<laughs> yes. Okay. I like that. I, I was not expecting a Scorpio sky, but I'm into that very much so. Yeah. And I like Scorpio sky. He convinced my husband that it's okay to wear denim jackets. So <laughs> I've been pushing for forever. John's always in his leather. I'm like, dude, let's like mix it up and throw a little denim in there. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. And then Scorpio sky was like, yeah, you can do it. Yeah, no, he looks like he's built for denim, for sure. I agree. Denim on denim. By the way, we were watching some of your stand up over the weekend and you have an open invitation to just come to our house and hang out anytime. John wants to just hang out and watch TV with you. Okay, now that's fun. That seems fun. If it's something you're into, he he just wanted to extend the invitation that you are more than welcome to just come hang out. I'll cook for you. We'll hang out. Sure, please. I, we know we're very similar. We, you know, both at the top of our industries, both trailblazer mavericks, both lovers of uh, beautiful Canadian women. Yes, you guys are. You guys know how to pick a good Canadian woman. We bring a lot to the table. What can I say? <laughs> yes, I learned about all dressed chips and Nanimo bars and the other things I can't pronounce. <laughs> Nanimo bars. <laughs> <laughs> They're amazing. Yeah. Canadian snacks. I mean, as much as we're known for uh, our niceness, our our love of hockey, it's really our snacks. That's what makes us next level. It's, it's the snacking. I just want to go back to Vancouver so I can get Ernest ice cream. That's why I love that Vancouver's ice cream. Vancouver's heavenly. Um, okay. Before we get into your amazing shoe, it was just it was just your son's birthday. He just turned 18. What did you guys do for his birthday? Uh, he had a request. He wanted Roscoe's chicken and waffles, which is, you know, he just knows how to live. Uh, he learned early. And then we went and saw the Mortal Kombat movie, rented out a theater. So it was just me, my wife and my son. And we watched Mortal Kombat because he wanted to watch an R-rated movie. And then we just came home and opened gifts. You know, he has my son, you know, people don't know my son has autism and he can be a little bit of a strict rule follower. So he like he waited till he was 13 to watch PG-13 movies and, you know, 17 R-rated movies. So then he turned 18 and he, his birthday list had like his normal stuff like Xbox games, uh, Dodgers jersey and then adult toys. <laughs> and I was like, we're going to probably skip one of these. Oh my God. Yeah. You're like, that's something you got to do on your own time. I can't help you out with that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually remember this is an inappropriate story, but I was probably about his age and I went into a Spencer's and I thought that I was buying a candle kit. It was like a bunch of candles in like some lotions. And I was like, oh, this will be nice. My mom found it and it was, I didn't open it. I didn't realize what it was. It was a full vibrator but I couldn't see the top or the bottom of it. So my mom's like, where the hell did you get this? Like she left it in the middle of my bedroom, like just standing on the floor. And I was like, where did this come from? I was horrified that my mom thought that I was just like stashing away vibrators. So it happens to the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> the next time you're watching basketball, I've got the perfect way for you to get in on the action for free. I'm talking about NBA in play. It's absolutely free to play on the FanDuel app and features all the fun of live betting. NBA in play turns every quarter of every game into a free contest where you can win real cash prizes. 
So while you're watching the game, all you have to do is predict the outcome of plays and game props before they happen to claim your share of the prize pool. Best of all, a new contest starts every quarter of every game, giving you even more ways to win. FanDuel is the exclusive home for NBA in-play, so the action's always available right at your fingertips on the FanDuel app. The app is so easy to use, and it takes less than two minutes to sign up. And it doesn't matter where you live or where you're traveling to because NBA in-play is available in every state. Don't miss your shot. Get in the game and download the FanDuel app to start playing NBA in-play today. Um, okay, so your shoe, you designed a shoe. Uh, how did you come up with the design and start working with Puma to put this all out? Well, I mean, I actually got um, in, introduced to them through a mutual friends of ours, through Sarah, through Mikazi. He and um, and uh, Sasha had put out a shoe before for Sasha's brother, I believe, who is on the spectrum. And um, they were, I guess, were just looking for more ambassadors for that program to, to expand that program. And they knew, you know, much I talk about my comedy and the post, but always talk about my son and the fact that he was diagnosed with autism when he was two and our time together. And so uh, basically he reached out to me and I designed a shoe based off of Basically, my son always would wear these uh, noise canceling headphones. They're bright green and loud. And uh, so we just put some green ha- accents on there and put the little headphones on the back. And I think it's a beautiful shoe. I'm very proud. And it makes my son happy, makes him feel to puff out his chest that he has his own shoe. And it makes me feel good because I always want a shoe as a comedian. I just feel like we should have shoes. We stand up. It's in the name. I mean, come on. If anyone needs a shoe deal, it's more comedians. You're right. Let's get those like orthopedic deals happening. Exactly. You will know people will wear Whitney Cummins sneakers, things like Maria Bamford's. I would I would wear them just for the name. Like without question, if they came out with shoes, I'd be buying them. I mean, I saw that Sarah Silverman, you had sent her a pair and she was plugging them. If Sarah Silverman had a shoe, you better believe I would have a pair. Absolutely. It just makes sense. So where can other people get your shoe? Footlocker.com uh, on the 28th. Limited qualities are cool. I keep saying that limited quantities, unlimited quality. <laughs> <laughs> High quality, limited quantity. Get in on it. Support some autism awareness and acceptance. Keep that going. We just had Surat on the show last week. So he was talking about his shoe. And yeah, we're all about just helping to spread the word and get these shoes out there and let, let people know. Let's keep the conversation going. Yeah, no, I appreciate him very much for introducing me to this program and able to, you know, to donate some money to the Flutie Foundation, which I'd always been a big fan of. And so, uh, yeah, I appreciate you talking about it. Thank you. Of course. Uh, Okay, so it was your it was your son's birthday. You just turned 18. So I did the math and I was like, wow, you you were 19. Just turned 20. How did you juggle everything to keep your career on track, to keep focused, to, to having a brand new baby at home? What was that like for you during that time, being so young? It's very stressful and difficult. It's probably why I got a bald spot on the back of my head, but the rest of my hair is full and thick. <laughs> so I feel it's just a lot of stress, but very motivating to me. You know, I think before I had my son, I was very uh, afloat. I didn't really have like a... Uh, high standards for myself or high esteem for myself. It took my son. It took me having someone else to care for. And then it took him being diagnosed with autism to really feel like, oh, I need to find a career and I need to be confident and proud of what I think I should be become. And I was like, I always knew I wanted to be a comedian, but I was scared to do it. So it's just kind of 
push a lot of that fear because I was like, oh, I have to do it and I have to take it seriously. So I wasn't like hanging around drinking. I wasn't doing a karaoke after with the other comedians. I was like going to clubs at night and then getting up and getting my son together in the morning. And then, you know, my wife and I eventually divorced. And then, you know, I ended up having full custody of him at my house. And so just juggling all of that. And and it's not just me, you know, I had a wonderful support from just a great group of women, my mom, my sister, my, my wife now, nannies that I've had in the past. So I've had a lot of support, um, but it's, you know, it's definitely kept me focused and it's been you know, not easy. <laughs> I mean, you think of trying to get a comedy career up and running with no other obstacles or any other obligations. So the fact that you were able to do that and be a full-time dad and to get your career on track, was there times that you were like, I sh- maybe I should think of a different career or... Maybe I should be looking at a different path or something like that. Like what, what were some of the jobs that you were doing while you were out doing stand up as well? So I was just basically doing a lot of part time jobs when I was doing that. I, you know, before I got into comedy, I worked at a bank call center, but very quickly after that, lost that job and um, just kind of bounced around, worked in telemarketing, worked at uh, the Lady Liberty tax sign dancer in front of one of those ladies. How was that job? It was terrible. And I got a staph infection from the costume. I almost die shut up a lot i did i almost died i almost almost ceased to exist where did this happen oh my face stop yeah no my face was all gray and blown up and gross i used to have not good skin and now it was like the ultimate botox now look at me look at me (laughs) look at me go look at the skin wild (laughs) did you just like notice because you're in like full costume you're dressed as lady liberty correct yeah And then one day you're just like, oh, something's happening on my face. Yeah. One day I'm getting flu-like symptoms, getting a little sick. And then I noticed like a little pimple on my face. And I was like, you know, me, I just popped it. And then it was like, oh, it didn't just pop. It's oozing a liquid. That's gross. That doesn't seem right. Uh, But then I just was like, I'll just lay down. Yeah, but my ex-wife was like, I think you need to go to the hospital. So I very much thank her for because I don't think if I if she hadn't forced me, I wouldn't have gone. And they were like, oh, if you didn't come today, you would have died. So you're lucky you oh came in. Oh, my God. Yeah, I ended up in ICU for like five days. I mean, that stuff's no joke. I mean, when John was going through when he had MRSA, that is so scary. I mean, especially when it's on your face, because it's like you're that much closer to getting to your heart, like in like your brain. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My face was all gray for like a month after. It was real weird. Whoa. Okay. Well, guys, watch out for your costumes because this is no joke. Yeah. You got to clean them. They got to clean them. That's absolutely insane. Um, okay. So you've done a bunch of jobs. You've got your, obviously your career's on track. I mean, I feel like every time I turn on my TV, either my TV or my iTunes, it's like, there's a new movie with Ron in it or a new show. You are booked and busy. This is like, I feel like things are firing on all cylinders for you right now. It's it's amazing. Thank you very much. I'm just trying to be uh, active and nimble, but also like, you know, none of it is like, oh, I think this will be thing. Like a lot of the things I've gotten have just been like, oh, I think that's cool. And then it turns out like, a big thing for me, I think recently, it's just been just that last blockbuster documentary because yeah. it ended up being like number one on Netflix. And like, I think my face was the thumbnail for <laughs> quite was, a while. Yeah. 
And so that was huge for me. And that was like, that wasn't like, hey, we're making this documentary for Netflix. It was just some guys hit me up on Instagram and were like, we like your comedy. We have this story, but we need some funny. And and we know, and I was like, oh, I used to live in Bend, Oregon. I'm familiar with that blockbuster. And that was it. It was like, oh, that sounds fun. An hour on my day is fine. And then it's like, boom. Then the people were like, oh, I've seen you on this. And then you're on this. And it's all just like from, um, doing all the things I love to do is just hang out with friends I enjoy and keep working with the people I like. And they just keep putting me in more projects. I actually bomb at most auditions. I mean, not bomb. I get close, but they don't pick me. They tend to not pick me at auditions, but my friends look out for me. It's just, I think I am a unique uh, individual. And, and I think a lot of times, when you, I mean, I know just because I write myself and sometimes you go in these things and they have a view of who they want. And if it's not, if they didn't pick me from the get go, which is sometimes what happens, I have a hard time convincing them otherwise. Cause I'm never like, just even the way I speak is not like, I'm going to read it the way you probably wrote it, you know? So it, it takes a lot. Like I get a lot of callbacks. I get a lot of things like that, but then they're always like, Mm, you don't quite fit the thing. What was your worst audition experience? I It was one of the first years of coming out here. I hadn't even gone to acting class yet, so I didn't know what I was doing at all. I in had, Los Angeles, you mean in Hollywood, right? Yes. And I went and did an audition for Modern, uh, not Modern Family, Happy Endings, I think it's called. And I just bombed so bad that I just stopped in the middle of the audition. And I apologized. And I was like, I just don't know what I'm doing here. I'm sorry. I'm wasting your time. And then my manager pulled me off of auditions for months and just got me an acting coach, which was the best decision. That was actually the best thing we did because it got me um, it's same, you know, I, I felt the same way with stand up, which is like, oh, if I bomb, it doesn't make me want to quit. It just makes me want to get better. It just makes me want to tighten it up. It can be very scary because, I mean, for people that have not auditioned for anything, it's like you walk into a room. If for me, anyways, I already feel like they don't like me. They're bored of the day. They've been through a bunch of people just kind of cycling through, saying the same lines, trying to bring this like fun energy to the room. Like it can be so grueling. And they just kind of stare at you or they stare through you often as well. And you're just like, oh, my God. And the reader is not reading with any emotion. And you're you're so then you start over. <laughs> doing it. You're like, I'm going to I'm going to add a kiss into this scene. I think we need it. <laughs> it's horrible. I don't miss those days, but I think it's funny because I've not auditioned in such a long time because I've been working with WWE for so long and just doing things here and there. But. I kind of miss that awkwardness. Maybe I'd be better at it now. It's never more fun than when I already have a job. You know, like if I already have something else. Totally. Then it's like, all right, whatever. (laughs) You don't have any power over me. I'm going to show you what I would do. And this is it. But when I don't, or if I really love it, then it's the worst. When I'm like, oh, actually, I like this script and I think this would be great. Then it becomes a whole nother thing. And you can't, you know, there's no way of faking it or getting out of it. And I just had one recently where I was like, oh, this would be great and stuff. But then they, it, was like, it was all over like Zoom and FaceTime. And, they, and then they were like, well, in this scene, you're just looking into the distance with judgment. And I'm like, why can't you just trust that I could do that? Like, <laughs> yes. You can't think I can't do that at on the day. We need to audition that part. Just give me an (laughs) eyeline and we'll call it out there. Give me where you want me to look and you've got it. And then don't smile. Got it. (laughs) 
Oral Sessions is proud to be presented by FanDuel. You guys never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Uh, Why do I play FanDuel? I play FanDuel because I'm new to the fantasy game. I kind of need somebody to hold my hand through the whole process. And the thing with the FanDuel Fantasy app is that it's so incredibly easy to use. Even a dumb-dumb like me can make it work. And if you happen to be a fence sitter like yours truly, you guys can pick a new team every single game. You can switch it up. You can change your mind. It's all up to you. Ball is in your court. So FanDuel is offering new users a deposit match of up to 500 smackaroos when you make your first deposit. Just go to FanDuel.com slash cowherd for more info. FanDuel.com slash cowherd. FanDuel, more ways to win. Okay, Chopped 420. This is a brilliant concept for a show. That must have been the most fun show to work on, was it? (laughs) Yes, it really was. How fucked up do you guys get when you're shooting? Pretty fucked up, bro. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest with you, it's a great time for people who don't know what it is. The traditional Chopped show, most people should know. Appetizer, entree, dessert, mystery ingredients. And now we got a cannabis and fun times with me. And it's just a blast. It's the first time I had to sign a contract that said that you must smoke weed on camera. It's usually always the opposite for me. And it was just so fun to eat high quality food that got me pretty baked and then judge these people and meet some real fun chefs, some nice people who I still keep in touch with now. That's the the coolest part to me of like, I just never been in that world. I don't know any people. I don't know chefs. I don't know anyone who knows restaurants or things like that. But now I do. And they're real cool people. It's really fun. And as like more like cannabis restaurants and stuff are popping up. I mean, I feel like you should be on like that food critic list now. Like we have Ron Funches coming in. Yes. Everybody prepare your best meal. Like people run to the back and let the chef know that you're there. Do you, so when you're doing the show, because like you said, there are the three rounds, do the chefs have to be cognizant of how much weed they're putting in every meal so that you're not sleeping by the entree? They have a limit that they're supposed to stick by so that they don't overdose the judges and some people mess up and we still, you know, show that or air that. And, but we don't <laughs> necessarily eat that one. <laughs> Put it to the I mean, side. I would. Save it for, that's for at the hotel room. That's instead of ordering room service, I'm going to box that up and take it back to my room with me. Yeah, because you got to remember they're eating like, you know, four contestants, you know, breaking down each round. They're eating like 10, 12 doses at, you know, by the end of the day, they're getting pretty faded. So it's fun. (laughs) What is the best thing that you got to eat while doing the show? Oh, that duck salad that Chef Swoop made. I really loved it. It was this duck that he put Blue Dream, I believe, in it. And it was, uh, I mean, that was the thing. Because I always like brown, brownies and cakes. Yeah. Is all the things I have. But to have some duck, I think that I had a nice, like, oyster taco that one of the chefs made with, with, with cheese ball crumbs over it. Oh, my. <laughs> that's, a, like, that's. Honestly, when I was watching the show, I'm like, you have literally the best job on TV right now. I used to think that it was Kathy Lee and Hoda just getting smashed on white wine in the afternoon. But Chopped 420 when it's like bougie cooking. And I'm not a big I'm not a big weed smoker or eater. And I wish that I was. How do I enjoy it more? 
Well, see, this is what I think is the show is helpful with. It's not just about your heavy smoker, your heavy edible user. It's about introducing it to people who maybe are just interested in it, but there's might be a little bit scared because everybody usually has that story of that person that gave them a brownie that knocked them on their ass and made them think they were dead for two days, Yeah, you know? And, and sometimes those people did that on purpose, you know? And I don't like that. This is all about introducing people that you can be adequately dosed. Sometimes they just use CBD just for muscle relax and things like that. They use a low amount of THC. They ask you about you. Are you a high anxiety person? Person. Are you a low? Do you want a sativa? Do you want an indica? It's all about custom fit in the meal for you, just like you would if you had guests that you were having a meal at your home. If someone's vegetarian, if someone doesn't eat, has certain dietary restrictions, you're going to consider that. And people need to do that with the level of, uh, of THC that they're using in these edibles. And this show has kind of helped mainstreaming and normalizing the usage of it. I mean, basically what you just said, it's like, I don't dabble in weed that much. And I'm certainly not opposed to it. And I have smoked weed plenty times in the past and eaten it as well. But with wine or like drinking, I'm like, okay, three, four drinks. I kind of know where I'm at, where weed can be unpredictable for me. How do you find out what works for you? Uh, it's a lot about, you know, experimentation. And a lot of this is about your nose, you know, finding one, a smell that reacts to you. Like some people like the smell of a sativa, but like what my wife, if she smells it, it bothers her. It smells too strong, you know, and that's alpha in your body. She's got that good BC bud too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's just your body letting you know what you would like and you wouldn't like, you know? Like you said, with the wine, like I'm allergic to alcohol. If I drink, it makes my throat close up. I go to in a bit of a shock. Do you have to have like an EpiPen? I mean, if I were to drink, yeah, then Jeez. I would. Yeah, but I don't okay. drink. Okay. Uh, so it just works for me, but I don't think it's for everyone. I'm not one of the, I'm not like one of those Tommy Chong guys. They're like, everybody chill out on weed. I'm all like find out. And I think, again, that's what the show is really about. It's not just about smoking weed. It's also like the judge like Laganja Estranja, who, you know, drag queen destroyed in there. And it's just like, this is just who I am. I'm living my life. This is what I like. And that's what I really like about the show. It's just like personal. Freedom. Yeah, it's so like transparent and like, yeah, you can you can just tell that everyone thoroughly enjoys it. And then also adding on top of that, I mean, lifestyle Choices aside, I mean, whether you're smoking weed or not, these chefs are throwing down, man. Like they are making some insane meals. Oh, absolutely. It's a that's what I think the chop brand brings to it. It's not like that. Like all these other interviews and they're like, oh, so it's like a couple of stoner buddies competing for like, no, these are like Michelin star, you know, beard award winning chefs that like are cooking with cannabis. And, you know, I fell in love with some of these chefs, people like Chef Maverick, who you uh, got her her sisters at an early age and, you know, reminded me of my own story of taking care of my son and being, and she's out there cooking with it. Or Chef Victor, who was in delivering a rape, was on a bike through San Francisco, climbing up and down them hills. <laughs> you, you, it's all these chefs trying to win this 10 grand and represent their restaurants or their businesses. And a lot of which were affected because of the pandemic for mm -hmm. sure. So, you know, in the beginning, I was like, oh, it's just me eating weed and having fun and cracking jokes. But I was like, oh, this is actually fun and important in some ways in a good reality show. It's like a little highbrow, like as much as, yeah, you can look at it as being like weed, whatever. But yeah, I mean, there there's like 
real, like what you said, real chefs, James Beard, award-winning chefs and Michelin rated chefs. Like these guys are throwing down and we need to add a little respect on their names, especially, like I said, as these restaurants are opening up and it is becoming such common culture and people are becoming more aware. And again, when I'm not pregnant, I'm going to dabble into this and just see, see what my line is. Renee, I tell you what, I I will, if we get a second season and you, you got that baby popped out, I will be like, we, we got a celebrity judge we need to get. Yes. You got a cookbook, you got the reps. So people will know it's for real. I'll have to get my tolerance to a certain level so I don't make a fool of myself and of you. I'm pretty sure we would love it if you did. <laughs> <laughs> What is the best thing that you've made while high? Oh, I always say very simple, man. I can't cook worth a damn. Um, but I'm kicks and Nutella. That was a mix that I made while high that I stand behind. That's that's a, a, a beautiful. You get some ice cold almond milk or whatever milk you enjoy. Get that Nutella in there so it kind of hardens up with the kicks, which is not an oversweet cereal, so it could handle that hazelnut chocolate delight. It's the best. I love that it. That sounds actually amazing. I'm not a huge Nutella person, but I feel like I'm starting to come around to it. I'm I'm developing more of a sweet tooth throughout pregnancy, so maybe I will try that out. The kicks will will cut it for you. I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm in. Sign me up 100%. Um, you just recently tweeted um, that you are entering a nice zone of do not give a fuckness. Yeah. What's happening? I love not giving a fuck. It's truly the best. How liberating. I think it's the part of like my son turning 18 has been helpful in that. And he's giving me this confidence. Like I just feel so confident. I'm like, oh, look at me. I raised him. I got my wife. She's beautiful and amazing. I got my house that paid for, not paid for, but it's handled. And it's <laughs> yeah, bills are paid. Yeah, everything is handled. Everything is fine. Like, you know, like I'm in a nice zone and it's more like if you want to come and work with me and, and hang out with me, that's fun. If you don't, that's fine, too. And don't I'm, I'm just in no I mean, obviously, if someone was like Judd Apatow was like, come here on a Sunday afternoon. Whatever. Of course, I'm going to do it. But overall, I just don't like I think it's like I used to feel this desire to keep up with everybody and keep up with what was going on with other comedians. And I, I wanted to have a, my Netflix special. And I wanted to have certain things. And now I'm just more like I already won because I have the things that truly make me happy. I have my family. I have my home. I have the respect of my peers. And I don't care for much else. I don't need to go to parties. I don't need awards. I don't need fame, really. Like, I just need to pay my bills. And the fact that I get to go do fun stuff, like be King Shark or walk around and do other silly stuff and Bob's Burgers or whatnot. Like, to me, as long as I get to keep staying in that zone, I'm, I'm good. So I don't need much. It's so cool when you're and it's something like your priorities shift, but that like your confidence shifts and like everything just lines up. It's such a comforting feeling to be in that sweet spot as yeah, as like your vision board might change or, you know, you've you've already accomplished, obviously, so much stuff in your career. Um, but for you to just be able to sit back and be like, all right, I'm cool with what I have. Now let's kind of wait and see what else gets tossed your way. Who else do you want to work with? You mentioned Judd Apatow. Who else is on your list? 
people I love to work with are just kind of like friends I admire. I mean, I love to work with Pat Oswalt more. I love to work with, uh, if I could ever work with someone like Carol Burnett, that would be amazing oh, to me. She's on my dream list for this show. She's amazing. I saw her. Did you ever see? I think we talked about this before. We yeah, did. Yeah, on my podcast. Yeah, we yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. So I love her. I would love, I just want to keep, I think, you know, similar to wrestling, that's what I love about comedy is that you get to, if you wait it out and work hard enough, you get to work with the people you watched as a kid, you know? And I just, I love that. So just any chance I get to work with, with people who, influence me if I get to work with Conan more that would be great you know just working with my friends me and Dan Housen are working on stuff so we're just doing stuff I was just listening to Dan Housen on Conan's podcast earlier today before we hopped on here and it seems like he is legit interested in maybe doing something in wrestling do you think that that will happen yeah, he could if he for sure he could he, I mean he's gangly he get hurt for sure but <laughs> he's wiry yeah but he could do it. Why not? Hey, football fans, the 2021 draft is right around the corner and FanDuel is hosting a free $20,000 mock draft contest. Put on your GM hat and predict the top 10 picks of the 2021 NFL draft for a chance at a share of $20,000 in prizes. It's easy to play. Just make your draft picks and get points for every pick that you get right. The person with the most points wins the top prize. And don't worry if you only nail a few of your picks. You could still walk away with a piece of that 20G prize pool. The best part of this contest? It is 100% free for you to enter. Just download the FanDuel Fantasy app and click on the free to play button. Then lock in your picks for the 2021 draft and follow the action live on draft night. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Um, how was it for you uh, voicing King Shark when you like got that gig and started like getting into that character? Oh, I mean, it was real easy for me because it was like coming off of I worked on this other show called Powerless on NBC with, with pretty much a lot of the members of the same team as, as Harley Quinn. And uh, they were just basically like, just be you and come have fun and improvise and then get real angry sometimes. And I was like, that's fine. That's easy. And I just love how people reacted to the character that so many people would say that they love my version of, the, of that character as the epitome of King Shark and that even of you know not that many people I'm not going to act like there was a fever there was not but uh, the fact that some people were genuinely bummed out when they were like oh he's not in the movie like yeah that made me you know who, you know if it's going to be someone else at least another legend and then it's also maybe this will open up the door to me being in Rambo or <laughs> or <laughs> I like where that's Any headed. I mean, yeah, I mean, this should be a working relationship between the two of you. Yes, yeah, trade, swap. A king shark yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've also listed Lucille Ball as being a big influence for you. What was it about Lucy that, that drew you to her? I just love Lucy, the, hence the title of the show. Uh, it's just a show I grew up love, and I think it's what got me interested in comedy. You know, when other kids were watching cartoons, I was watching I Love Lucy, and my mom would even comment on it. You know, she's like, that's a little weird. You watch these sitcoms older than me. Um, but they just put me in a happy place. They've made things easier for me when, uh, especially when, you know, some rough things going on in my childhood, just the simpleness of the I love Lucy is escapism. 
then going back and reading about her and learning about her and the fact that she was, you know, pushed to have her real husband and on the show and a real Cuban on the show during the, you know, the height of McCarthyism and green light and Star Trek, the creator of the three camera sitcom format. We could go over so many things, but you know, that I was just like, that's like, that's a legend and that's a true performer. And I've always just been um, an inspiration to me. Yeah, she's absolutely amazing. I feel like I need to like give you a tour of what I put together in my baby's nursery room because I got like a great like Lucille. I saw some pictures where it would seem like all different. Yeah. I think I saw Tina Fey. Mm -hmm. I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like all these strong, uh, these strong, brilliant women that you put in. And I got a Carol Burnett one in there. Nice. Yeah, I got a signed one off of eBay. <laughs> like, give me all of that. Um, what is a skill that you wish that you had? Well, I want to sing. I've been taking some singing lessons. So I've been trying to work on that a bit. How are singing lessons going? They go okay, but similar to when I was going to wrestling school, things get in the way and I end up canceling or because I'm like, oh, this isn't my true passion. My passion is comedy. My passion is acting because that's what I'll put in front of this at any moment's notice. So, but it's still fun to like do an occasion and saying uh, beyond the sea to my wife on Valentine's Day and made her cry. And that was, that was sweet and lovely. So I still am into it, but I don't see it. It was like, I don't see an album coming out. And listen, don't discount it. We're all working from home these days. You could do it. I believe in you. <laughs> I believe this could happen. Okay. So you mentioned your wife a few times and I was reading that you guys are on some like uh, this like 11, 11 belief system. What is, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Call it a belief system. <laughs> you sound like a, sound like a complete weirdo. <laughs> well, yeah, we believe the clock is our God and 11, 11 is the time when everyone is most fertile. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's when the egg is dropping. We can all feel it. Everyone boners up. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so why why is eleven eleven important? It's to you? just a time we don't always see. We run in. It's like I think it's when you're supposed to make a wish. There's some numerology into it, but I never looked deep at it. It was just something we'd always. <laughs> I thought it was not. Thought there was a whole deep no, thing to it. You like <laughs> remind me of a mighty wind when Jane Lynch was. Oh my her, god! Her god was colors, different colors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We just like to make it. We every time we'd like at eleven eleven, my wife would always text me, uh, you know, our little emojis. I call her robot. She called me a bear, so it'd always be a bear, a heart, and a robot, back and forth. Um, we'd always just kind of do that, you know, for because a big part of our relationship we were um, long distance. You know, she was still in Canada, so we just always text each other around that time, and then um, that's when we got engaged. Was on November eleventh, and at eleven eleven p.m. I woke her up from a dead sleep because I was like, if I, you know, you got to catch her while she's not fully sure. conscious if she's going to say yes. <laughs> and <laughs> it worked. I love that. I also love knowing what couples emojis are that they use back and forth. I like the robot and the bear. That's good. Was yours. So we've not we kind of stopped doing it, but I still have it in my phone for John. There's the whales. So there's like the small whale and the big whale, because um, I guess it was closer to when we first started dating. We were watching Blackfish. There's nothing romantic about this at all. Um, but in Blackfish, when the, when like the mom whale and the baby whale get separated and they like yell to each other. 
So we would do like the whales with like the Sonos sounds that we would be like yelling to each other and we were like not with each other. That sounds really tragic, but we do. Yeah, it was the whales for us. But I get it. Yeah, that's still cute. I mean, my the robot just came because when I met my wife on Bumble, she only had one grainy picture of herself that I thought she had stolen from somebody else. And so I thought it was like a, a robot catfish in me, but I was bored. So I was like, I'll talk to this robot until she asked me for money. But then she never did. So she played the long con, basically. Were you in Canada at the time when you were on Bumble? How did this work out? She was in Los Angeles at the time. So we both met in L.A. Uh, You know, she was going to comedy store, going. She's a big comedy fan, a writer herself. So we just met that way. And we went, as she put it, I passed on her. Uh, and because I mean, we just had misconceptions. She was hanging out at the comedy store and she thought I had entourage. So I was like, I'm a big nerd. If you want to find some like, you know, comedy guy to take you to the club every night, I'm the wrong guy. Uh, but then we, you know, hung out again later and just started playing Super Mario World together and realized that we had a lot more in common. Or I think the date that when we hung out again after our little break, um, she just came over to my house and we were just like, let's just show each other our favorite sitcom. So she showed me Golden Girls. I showed her my favorite episode of I Love Lucy. And then she showed me an episode of Golden Girls where they watched I Love Lucy. And I was like, I didn't even know this existed. You seem great. Lady legend inception. That's amazing. <laughs> At what point when you're in a relationship and you're dating somebody that you've met online, do you go, it's time for me to delete the app off of my phone? Oh, it's easier for me, though, because I always have my son, you know, so I have my son and my son's special needs. So it was very quickly of just like, uh, you know. Do you see yourself maybe being the stepmom of a special needs kid? Or are we just fucking? <laughs> and a lot of people took option A, and it was a wonderful, I uh, mean, B. They took, they took B. B. Okay, <laughs> they took B. I'm like, wow, that's great. They took B. They just No, most of them took option B. And I liked it for a long time. Uh, but, but some guys think it's easier to just be creeping around and lying, but you can be on the same page and it's great. Yes. Just have that open conversation. I think that's usually what it's about. Then you're at least given the respect through that open conversation. That's all anyone really wants anyways. Right. Yes. Just be that's open what I with learned. Me. Yeah. Yes. Maybe when you were in your twenties and teens, then it's not as easy, but I swear just, that respect and stuff, you know, when I wasn't married, it kept so much lines. It kept it and made sure that there weren't many droughts for me. It kept lines open. <laughs> Keep those irons in the fire. You never know. Um, OK, let's get into some wrestling stuff because you are an avid wrestling fan. We talked a little bit off the top. Uh, my first question to you is in Giggle Fit, is that an actual Ric Flair robe? No, it is a robe, though, that was made by uh, the same the people who designed Charlotte's robes. I got the WWE people to make the robe for me. Oh, that's amazing. OK, so this is a rude question, but I'm going to ask you. You don't have to answer it. How much do they charge you for a robe like that? Because they're really expensive, aren't they? Oh, I'd love to talk about that. Thank <laughs> you for knowing. It is the most probably expensive piece of clothing that I have in my house. Uh, I believe it was $18,000, of which Comedy Central paid $2,000. Um, <laughs> it was, was $18,000 for real? 
Maybe I'm mad in the 10. Maybe it was 8,000. It, it was, was either a lot. 8 or 18. One of the two. It's still a lot of money, though. And people don't understand how much money goes into these robes, especially if you have multiples of them. Ooh. It was enough to where um, he made me make sure that I sent him half the money before he started making it. For sure. He was like, oh, I get some of these calls, but they tend to back off. <laughs> You only got to wear it for two seconds during the special. Yeah, I've worn it on other occasions. I've worn it around the house. My wife's seen it. (laughs) (laughs) So what drew you into wrestling? What sucked you in first? I just I grew. I think I just happened to be in the right spot. You know, I lived in Chicago for a long time as a kid. And um, I grew up in a house. It's just all ladies and watching whatever they wanted to watch. Uh, But I had my uncle who would take me to the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago and we would see WWF house shows. And it was going to house shows with him yelling at Earthquake, yelling at Jake the Snake, yelling at, you know, cheering the ultimate warrior uh, that got me into it. And I've been in love with it pretty much ever since then. Took the customary teenager break when I was like, girls don't seem to enjoy this. So let me act like I don't like it. And then when that didn't produce anything, I went, came running back. Take me back. (laughs) If you were to cast a WWE or WWF movie, who are some actors that you think could be plugged in there? Well, first of all, I would have Macho Man. I mean, they wouldn't look alike, but I would have Dan Soder play Macho Man just because he does the voice so well. And he's amazing at it. I think, oh, who helped me? The Rock would play The Rock. Here's the though. You know what, Renee? I'm going to tell you the truth instead of just playing a game. This is the thing I really want. Space Jam. Okay. Who cares? Boring. Give me Space Slam with John Cena and The Rock fighting off the Monstars. We got some evil wrestlers in there as well. We could even have Hulk Hogan voice one. And then we can. <laughs> so you want to kick LeBron to the curb? I mean, I love LeBron. I'm not saying stop putting out Space Jam. <laughs> I just saying also put out space slam. I, I love this. I think that's brilliant. I do too. We can manifest that. Yeah, we'll manifest it. We won't get any money for it, but it'll no. come out. It's a, it's a starting point. We've got to start somewhere. <laughs> what are you watching these days? Are you watching a little bit of everything? Are you like brand specific? No, I watch a little bit of everything. Whatever, whoever's got good matches, I'm watching. So I watch a little bit of SmackDown, watch AEW, watch NXT, watch GCW, watch um, in New Japan, watch, all over what, you know, fall, usually going to bed, watching some 95, 96 WCW or TNA because they put me bad wrestling makes me sleepy. <laughs> and so that is like, oh, if I get to watch some old TNA, I just am right to bed. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I will tell you sometimes, I mean, Raw is a three hour show. Show, it's long and it can be, you know, a touch repetitive. But once we would hit, I would be looking at my clock on my phone. And as soon as we hit that final hour, we would all get our monster energy drinks lined up to like really power through because it's it's a lot. It can it can really take you down. It seems like a much. I haven't watched Raw in a little bit just because I don't 
it just hasn't been. And uh, it, I was like, I think this is maybe a kid show now. Like, I think right. like some things are aimed at certain people. And I'm like, oh, I think they're aiming for a younger demographic. And so uh, it just stopped being very interesting for me. But SmackDown's still very fun. And AW and NXT are great. But like, I don't think that actually made me a lot happier when I when I. Making myself watch this. Just watch what you like. Amen. <laughs> I also felt that sense of relief. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think this is for me right now. Peace be with you. Absolutely. Wish you all well, but it's not a it's not it's just uh not not don't not for me. Fair enough. Um, you've called out saying that you enjoy Scorpio Sky. Who's somebody else that you see as becoming um a future face of a brand in wrestling? Ooh, okay. I got a few answers, some more near, some probably further down the line. Um, but I love, okay, people who I just think um, represent progress in wrestling and the future of wrestling that I don't think get enough shine are, um, and just talent wise, I, the first one that pops in my mind is Ray, Ray Phoenix because, like, I've never seen someone quite like him since, like, early early Rey Mysterio like is and he has a bigger body mass so it's like something that I think like that's the guy that I would be building more around than I've been seeing um and someone like a Sunny Kiss as well I think just brings different perspective different viewers who mm -hmm. would maybe even normally not feel safe watching wrestling or going to an event yeah and i think showcasing someone like sunny kiss who's like look i'm whatever pronoun you want to call me he she whatever i'm just here to kick ass and i um so i wish i was seeing kick ass with a great ass yeah. i mean i've never seen an ass like that in person it's incredible it is it's a, it's it's one that you know it, it's just like you marvel at it no matter what your preferences are you just <laughs> yeah. have to marvel at it um, yeah it's amazing <laughs> Give me a little bit of that. It's amazing. And then just a little bit further, I love someone like Trisha Dora, who is a um, independent wrestler who who just has the best name of any finisher, the Lariat Tubman that I really enjoy. I think that's <laughs> funny. And then just her, um, the style that she's bringing in the way that she is representing her culture. And I think it's just just new ways, especially as a guy who's watched wrestling and watched portrayals of black characters for years to see someone who's like, it's all about black pride and black confidence and not in a confrontational nation of domination way, but in more of like a beautiful way, like is so um, interesting to me. So I, I think she's got a bright future. Oh, I love that. You know, I feel like being able to see what the new day has been doing as well in that platform. I think they've been like, Obviously, New Day has been crushing it and they have been pretty much since they joined together as a group, maybe a little bit rocky at the beginning, but they got there. I mean, New Day's New Day is just so great. I love watching what they do and watching Biggie, everything he's doing right now. Couldn't be more behind that man. Yeah. And never breaking up, never falling apart. And we see it even like, you know, the closest thing we had to that recently was a bit ones like the hurt business where people were like oh look at this this is great look at this taking a, a pride in this thing and then they you know unfortunately couldn't last long enough to to you know be considered one of the great stables shelton and cedric come on come on yeah, come i mean on. you've got shelton benjamin even bobby lashley like two men who 
everybody knows on paper how good those two men are. And you finally gave them the ball and then took it away. It was all right there. I mean, Bobby Lashley's still doing his thing, but I mean, somebody like Shelton Benjamin, he deserves his flowers. Absolutely. He truly does. Before, we, you know, what, why give him after he's gone? Why not? One of the most athletic men I've ever seen in my life. And um, to go double back a little bit on that Raw talk, it was just like, it's that same thing kind of with this, where it's just like, you don't reward me for paying attention to it. You don't reward me for following week to week. In fact, you often punish me. You take away the things that I like. You, Billy Kay was one of my favorite parts of watching every week. And now she's gone. What does that do? Well, how is that any positive at all? To me, all it does is lower the morale around your people, most likely. I'm not there, so I don't know. But it also just took away a thing I liked in your show. So why do I want to watch now? So I can watch more matches with, you know, not forbid, but you know, they run in the same match between Mandy Rose and them over and over every freaking week. Why? Why? Yeah, it sucks. I mean, you see somebody like Billy Kay and you know, when she got released by WWE, that's something that I tweeted right away. It's like for somebody to capitalize on what little screen time she was given on SmackDown, she connected. People loved her. She used those moments to really make something for herself. And the fact that that was not valued is insane to me. Yeah. It makes it so you, you go like, well, then what can I do? What, what do I do? And that's one of my least favorite things in the world. I mean, I don't, if that's mine, don't give a fuck. Is that like, if you don't value me, then don't have me. I don't need to be there. Don't, don't get me just because you heard my name, just because you, you know, because a lot of places will be like that for me. They'll be like, oh, we've heard people talking about you, but actually, could you not improvise? Could you not? Could you say it just in line? Like, oh, you don't want me then. You just want my name. And I don't need to, you know, I've gotten better at vetting those things out of being like look if you don't actually trust my skill set and want me then don't don't hire me that's advice i think we all could have taken at some point or another in our careers i mean definitely i felt that way through uh through my times in wwe of feeling like what what am i doing here again I, i don't get to do the things that i was hired for i don't i don't get it it can be a very discouraging. It sucks. Yeah, I often feel, you know, I mean, it's one of the things why I love about it because I think so talented and, um, but, you know, and that's why I love having more and more places for people to work. So you don't have to um, just be under, you know, what a certain three or four people think of you. That's what I love about my job. You know, like I could be, Oh, you don't want me. You don't want my special. You know, fine. I'll find a place that does. And that's okay. On to the next. Yeah. Um, so your podcast getting better. Who do you have coming up? When can we check out your podcast? Ooh, please check it out. It's the favorite thing I do. We just about positivity, affirmations, talking with people about getting better. Had one for people like Renee on the podcast. Stone Coast Steve Austin's been on. Uh, we got Conan O'Brien. We have some great upcoming episodes. We have Sam Talbot from my show, Chop 420, coming on. We have Tom Lennon from the great Reno 911, among many other things. He's going to be coming on an episode. And we also have uh, from Veep and from many other things and from uh, my upcoming movie, Golden Arm, we have Mary Holland. She will be on an episode as well. Great. All right. So we can just listen to that everywhere that anyone gets podcasts, right? You get them paused. You can find mine. I got it out there. Perfect. 
Yeah, get it out there so you guys can check out all things Ron Funches. I'm going to be putting all of the links um, in the bio for the podcast. You can check out Chopped 420, which is on Discovery Plus right now. Obviously, Last Blockbuster. We've all seen that all over Netflix. Check that out. And check out your shoe with Puma that is coming out on the 28th. You guys can get that at footlocker.com. You're so professional. Look, it's so good. I was really just hoping I was going to cry and like get them all, make sure I hit it all. I think I got you it. Know, I got one. I go Whitney Cummins podcast. I go like, can we talk about me, please? <laughs> For real. I think the same thing when I listen to her podcast sometimes. I think she's great, but let the people talk. <laughs> <laughs> she knows. She knows. <laughs> Well, thanks for hanging out with me. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, to checking out your shoe and all of the uh, the upcoming projects that you're working on and looking forward to hopefully down the line, be able to jump on Chop 420 with you. Or I can just learn about enjoying weed more because I would love to. Come on by. I'll be now I'm coming over. I can't wait yes. for you to cook for me. I'll wait for you a few months after the baby is born, let you get rested. But I'm, I'm moving in. I'll be over. Great. I told you, you got that open invite. Anytime. I'll be there. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Ron. Big thank you to Ron Funches for joining me on this episode of Oral Sessions. I had a million and one other questions written down for this man that you just can't squeeze into one hour. It's hard when you're putting together these interviews and you have so many different things you want to talk to somebody about and... Anyways, I guess it just means we have to have him on another episode. Or like he said, maybe he's just going to move into my house for a bit and we'll just shoot the shit and we'll make podcasts of it. Would people be into that? He can look after the baby. He knows what he's doing. He's got that dad mode on. Um, all right. So you guys know what to do. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Renee Paquette. Follow the volume at the volume sports on Instagram and Twitter. Check out all things Ron Funches. And yeah, make sure you guys uh, get the scoop on this shoe that he's paired up with for Puma. Puma and Foot Locker. Again, limited quantities of this shoe for Autism Awareness and Acceptance Month. Check all that out. Get them on Chopped 420. It's an absolutely amazing show. I really hope that I get to get brought on as a guest. Please, please, please teach me the ways. I just want the food. I want the food. I'll take the little buzz that comes with it. Sign your girl up. All right, guys, this has been it for this episode of Oral Sessions. I'll see you guys next time. 